You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This is the second episode this week. You guys heard Randy Bly last week, or excuse me, on Tuesday. This is Thursday, and we are talking to none other than HR, the infamous, I wouldn't say infamous, the legendary HR from Bad Brains. I know you guys all love the Bad Brains this dude is an absolute legend, and I could not believe it when we got the word that it was going to happen. I was also absolutely terrified, which I'm never terrified to do these episodes. The re- only reason I get nervous to do some of them is because I don't want to waste the other person's time, because if it's bad, I won't put it out. That's all there is to it. That's the only thing that could go wrong. You know what I mean? So having HR, and HR has a lot of things he's been through in his life. He's dealt with schizophrenia. He's dealt with insane headaches that you know required surgery to fix. He's been on just a wild, wild ride, and people have seen it very publicly. There's a very amazing documentary on HR called Finding Joseph I, and what a force. He's one of the best front men of all time, you know, from, from Randy to Chino to to. Ask anybody their favorite front man, and a lot of them are going to say HR. And there's something about him, his presence. Um, you know, he's just ferocious, but also such a peaceful, kind person talking about the PMA, the positive mental attitude. That's something that carried across in that music and still does 
to this day. I mean, HR even told me, keep the PMA, Mr. Dewey. Hearing HR from bad brains say, or, or having HR from bad brains address me as Mr. Dewey was surreal. I could have hung up right then. Like hearing that, watching him say that to me was something I, in my lifetime, I never thought I would see or hear. But starting this show has gotten me places that I would never thought I would ever gone. So when we did this interview, though, I want to preface this. HR uh, is in a very different place than he was back in the day, right? He's he's dealing with the schizophrenia, the medications, um, just trying to um, just live a normal life. And a lot of times with these with these issues, things can get strange. You know, um, in this show, we have a pretty free flowing conversation all the time. Like that's how I like to do it. I don't prepare for these episodes. You know, when I talked to Randy on the last episode, I didn't prep for that at all. We just went into it cold like I always do. But HR, I knew from talking to Chino, uh, you know, when it happened, like, let me know what I need to do. And, you know, as he said, once you get him talking, that's the way you just get him talking, get him telling stories. And that's the way to pull these things out of him because sometimes he has a, an issue communicating clearly. So I had a list, a laundry list of things. If I ever got to talk to HR, what I'd want to know. And I literally went down that list because HR would answer very clearly, but then he would stop. So to keep the conversation going, I had to fire off the next thing and the next thing and the next thing which was actually pretty interesting to do it that way because I don't do it that way. Um, but by the end, it was about, it's about 30-some minutes, and it's very structured to keep him on, on, on track. And I wanted to do it in a way that would, you know, I want to be respectful of HR, you know, his life, what he's been through, and respectful of him as a person and his image and his uh, legacy, because I do not want to be the person to put out something that is, uh, you know, less than savory, I guess, is is the way I would put it. So I sent this this episode off to Dan at Equivision. I sent it off to a couple other people. And then uh, we weren't sure. We were on the fence with it. So talking to people that are close to HR, that, yes, this is how HR is now is is the answer we got and I reached out to on um, when I was talking to Randy from Lamb of God and I said hey you know when we're done with this interview I want to talk to you about something so when we went off air I mentioned to him that I had HR on the show and I was on the fence whether to put it out or not because one it's not how I typically do things so it's a little bit out of left field also I didn't know if it was a good day or a bad day for HR and I needed someone close to him to know. And Randy right off the bat said, do you want to send it to me? And I said, yes, please. I sent it to him. He sent me a massive email later that night saying, I really think you need to put this out. Um, this is how HR is. This is a, this was a good chat. He was telling stories. You know, these are things that people need to hear. And he also said something that put me at ease that if people are going to watch an interview or listen to an interview with HR, they already know where he's at. And they know what to expect. So that put me at ease knowing that Randy's on board with putting this out. You know, all the people on my team are on board with putting this out. I feel really good about it. Um, 
I just needed that clarification. And I really appreciate that from, from Randy and from everyone else on the, on the squad. Um, so Randy, if you're listening to this, thank you, my friend, um, for, for vetting this for me. So that being said, it's a lot different. It's very short. And that's why this intro is a little longer because I wanted to tell the story behind it. So if this is your first time listening to this show, definitely go check out some others for our actual format of just a loose, free-flowing conversation. This one is very detailed, uh, like I said, to keep HR on track. So like I said, guys, this was absolutely surreal for me to get to talk to HR like this in this capacity, face-to-face over Zoom. Uh, But big thanks to Lori as well. Lori is his wife and Scott Bowling. Scott Bowling from Good Company with Bowling is the one who connected me to Lori. So I want to tie all these together and thank you to everyone that got this done. Uh, This was a dream come true. Um, So let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right into this one. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. If you want to get in touch with me, let me know what you think of this episode. Um, I would love to get your feedback too. You know, I know a lot of you guys out there don't know HR um, personally, but I would love to hear an outsider perspective on how you thought it went because um, it was definitely nerve wracking at the time. Uh, I feel better now that I've gone back through it a few times and listened to it. Um, but also check out the premium. The premium subscription is peerpleasure, uh, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. And that gets you access to all the video footage of these interviews. That includes Randy and HR. Um, everyone coming up, the day I do it, it's up there in the premium for you guys to watch. You don't have to wait the month or so for it to cycle around. So go to peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm for the premium. Also join the Facebook group, Peer Pleasure uh, Inner Circle on Facebook. Check that out. You get access to who's coming up next. You get to add questions or comments to the episodes. And uh, yeah, it's just a cool place to hang out. So without further ado, guys, I want to get into this conversation with the one and only HR from Bad Brains. Yes, I do. How are you guys? Good. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Hi. Excellent. 
it's a pleasure to pleasure to meet you both. Yes, it's nice to meet you, Dewey. You too. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you very much, Mr. Dewey. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry for the reschedule. That was a crazy situation out of nowhere, random. Oh my god. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. It's horrible. Yeah. We're getting it fixed. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. So um if you I'm not I'm gonna be around, but if you need HR to move closer or something, just you know, tell them. I want to make sure your audio is good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me okay, HR? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Excellent. Excellent. Oops, I just turned it down. All right, say <laughs> say something more so he can make sure that your voice is good. How's that, Mr. Dilly? You sound great, HR. You look fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> You're winning the beard competition. I'll tell you that right now. I'm trying, no, man. Nice. I'm I'm trying. <laughs> I just got All a little right. bit of gray right here. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today? You doing okay today? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. Excellent. Well, I I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's been a you it's been a long time. Uh, I guess you could call it a bucket list guest. Um, someone you know I wanted to talk to for forever and and uh. Uh, thanks to Scott for setting uh, hooking us together too. You did his show over in uh, down in Atlanta, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start. I wanted to start kind of way back. You you had a very interesting childhood, HR. You you moved around a lot, being a military child, and yes, you were born in you were born in in Liverpool, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and then you moved to Jamaica. And we moved to D.C. and then we went to Jamaica. Okay. How old were you when you went to Jamaica? Oh, about four years old, three or four. Okay. And tell me about living in Jamaica because the one thing, the one thing I saw in the film uh, was that you, you were left there for almost a year? Yes, sir. How, who were you staying with? I stayed with my aunt and cousin. It okay. was very nice. I went to the beach and I would go to school. I started school in Jamaica. Okay. Okay. That's such a such an interesting change from from England to DC then to Jamaica all in your first 4 years. But, yes, sir. It was very fun, very educational. Yes. Do you have do you have any, you know, real specific memories of that besides, you know, playing at the beach and stuff? I mean, Starting school in a in a it, such an interesting place as well. Yes, sir. I remember going to see my cousin and my aunt, and I remember them cooking food for me. Okay. Now, now, at that young of an age, I know you've been a vegetarian or vegan most of your life. Back then, were you starting to lean more towards that diet at that young, or were you just kind of eating what was put in front of you? No, I would go outside and eat leaves and flowers. Just whatever you could find. Yes, sir. What What do you think spawned? What do you think made that that the way you did things? Like, was just the natural curiosity? Yes, sir. Okay. And then, so you moved to uh, Hawaii after that? No, we went to California first. We went to New York, and then we went to Atlanta. 
And then we went to Phoenix City, Alabama. And then we went back to Hawaii. Wow. So you were moving like every year, every two years? Yes, sir. And that was Air Force? Yes, sir. My father was in the Air Force for 26 years. Wow. What do you think? Do you, did you enjoy moving around that much? Did you like kind of living that, that lifestyle? Or would you have rather grown up in just one place? Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. But sometimes I would get a little sad because I would leave my friends behind. But I, overall, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Did you find it easy to make friends? Being, being having yes, to move sir, around? Yes, I did. Yes, sir. We would meet uh, in the new places we lived at. We would meet other military kids and play with them. Okay. So you were living, you were, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. You were living on base. I've never, uh, I've never had, I've, I didn't have uh, many military oh. friends because they were always moving. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's see, that's just such an interesting way to grow up and moving around. So I'm from Alaska myself and uh, moved to Portland in 2000. But we we moved maybe three times as a, as a child. And those were really hard because I'd made friends for so long that it wasn't, mm. you know, a short spurt. It was friends for like five or six years and then gone versus friends for maybe a year. Yes, sir. But uh, well, tell me, you, you were big into athletics. You were. Almost, you could have been an Olympic swimmer you were talking about? Yes, sir. I was in junior high school, and I would go to swimming classes, and there I would meet with my coach, and he said he wanted to take me to the Olympics. That's wild. That's wild. So you, you naturally went towards athletics. Yes, sir. I surely did. I started out in football when I was about in seventh and eighth grade. What about that? Did you, did you, uh, what was your favorite swimming? Yes, sir. Swimming was my favorite. And what took you diving? Diving. Okay. I did the same thing. I was on the swim team and a diver, but I never went to the level of getting offered to go to the Olympics. It was all just, you know, elementary school, middle school swim team. I lived on an Island. So, uh, that's all you had, (laughs) if that makes sense. But, uh, what what got you out of athletics? Is there something that got you out of athletics? Yes, so I started going to uh, school in Maryland, and then I started playing in the band. Okay, so you just you just naturally progressed into music as more of a outlet than athletics. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, tell me about tell me about your first uh, first band's first instruments. I first started playing the guitar at about 15. My father bought me a guitar, and me and my brother, who played the drums, would go to my friend's house, and there we would jam a lot and play progressive jazz. Progressive jazz. Was that music that you listened to from your parents? No, there was something I picked up on my own from the radio. Interesting. Do you remember your first guitar? Yes, sir, I surely do. Do you remember what kind it was? Was it just an acoustic guitar or was it electric? Yeah, it was an acoustic guitar, ukulele. Okay. Excellent. Do you still play? No, I don't play anymore. I sing now. I play a little guitar, but mostly I sing. Okay. And do you remember uh, like the first the first bands that really really got you into to playing? 
Israel was the Israelites and Tootsie and the Maytales and uh, Johnny B. Good and uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Man, such an interesting time to grow up, HR. You had so much great music to to surround yourself with. It's funny that when you guys, with Bad Brains, the first album you know was coming out, that's when I was born. And to think this 38 years, you know what I mean? Your music would touch me. And then, you know, we'd be talking here now today. It's cool to think about, you know, like that. I was nowhere near it when it came out, but it still lasts so long and touches people to this day. You know what I mean? Uh, it's really cool. Um, how did, how did you and you and Daryl first get the bad brains together? I met Daryl. I was driving in my car and he was hitchhiking one day on the side and I rode the car to the side and picked him up and I asked him if he wanted to play in our band and he said yes. And so it was you and Earl and then you got Daryl on and then and then uh the bad brains were off and running. Yes, sir. Man. Gary had played with us too over my friend's house for a little while and then we picked up Daryl. Okay. And do you remember, I mean those first early shows, just uh, where does where does your energy come from? Do you think that that uh, incredible energy? I mean, you just say, "Are you ready?" and just go. Like, was that something? I had to keep up with the band. It came from my brother because <laughs> he plays so fast. Was that planned? Playing that fast? Yes, sir. It was. Man, that was you guys were one of the fastest bands I had ever seen, like ever heard. Like it was so much so much faster and, and harder than anything else going on at that time. I mean, it was just like on fast forward. It was intense. I mean, uh, were you guys, was that, I know in the early days there was, you were, you were doing some uh, hallucinogenics before playing. Yes, sir. What, who introduced you to that? Were you introduced oh, to that earlier? I picked it up from my school. In high school. So people in high school were doing it and introduced you to that. Do you remember the first time you did that? Uh, I remember going into the 10th grade and I traded some of my mother's obituaries for some drugs in school. Okay. And that was that was your first, first uh, foray into that, I guess. Yes, sir. Man, were you, do you remember being scared or did you really enjoy it? At the time. I mean, I know you don't do it now. I but. was a little scared, but I wanted to find out how it was. Mm -hmm. Did you find that it opened up something else in you that you, you normally wouldn't have found? Yes, sir, I do. Okay. Um, now, when you, guys, when you guys started playing, you know, hitting the scene, like, there's a funny, a funny, I have a couple funny stories, but uh, – one one big relationship that you have is your relationship with with Henry Rollins and Ian McKay and and those guys. When right, I remember them talking about you jumping off the stage and landing on them and still singing like in in the face that intensity right where they had only seen before like big arena shows. Um, yeah. In so I know. Do you know you know Randy Bly from Lamb of God, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. I remember him saying Bad Brains is his favorite band. So Yes, sir, I remember. When when I was on tour, we played a, a, a squat house in Richmond, Virginia. And I had never heard, I'd, I'd never really seen shows like that. 
Randy and the Lamb of God guys rolled up in a truck, hopped out, and grabbed the, Randy grabbed the microphone from the singer of the band we were on tour with, and right in my face is how I experienced Randy, much like how those guys experienced you, and it changed everything, like being that close to the action. And I thought that was a cool like tie together of you and I because of you know how much you've influenced Randy and then now me. Yes, sir. But uh, do you remember pulling pulling Henry up on stage to finish the set? Yes, sir, I do. What what made you do that? Like what made you what made oh, you pull him up? At the moment, I came up with a good idea, and I wanted to see if he could have some fun with us up on stage. So I asked him to come up, and he said, "Sure, why not?" That's excellent. That's excellent. Those things that people will never forget. You know, it, it's yes, just a I moment can. in time, like a split second decision. Yes, sir. It sure <laughs> was. Well, tell me this. Tell me this. This is another thing I was I was looking into, and and uh, Daryl was telling a story about how there were some shows where you actually had tech text duct tape you to a chair yes, during sir. a show. Can you tell me that story? That was that was crazy. Yes, I was in Connecticut, and they were playing with the Fury and um, Rhode Island, and I wanted to tie myself up, so I asked them, would they please tape me to the chair? And they started playing, and then little by little, I heard the band play, and and then I just buzzed out of the chair and kept on playing. <laughs> That must have been incredible to watch, like something no one had ever seen before. I've never heard a story like that. I've never heard of, uh, I've heard people coming out, you know, in outfits or like a, even a straight jacket, but not taped to a chair mid set. That's, in, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I wanted to also get your take on the story about, uh, recording the black dots record at, at with, with, uh, Don's and Tara, how you had to yes, do the sir. vocals out on the deck. We're out on the porch. Yes, sir, we did. Can you tell me the story about that? That is, and the, the neighbor kids coming over. I, I didn't get the full story. Yes, sir. Don's interior used to have a studio in his father's house in the basement. So we went out there and we started recording. And Gary would record in the guitar, would record his guitar in the bathroom, and Daryl would play in the uh, live room, and so would Earl. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. 
there's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. 
because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And Earl played in the hallway and then he suggested to me to go into the backyard and do my vocals. So I said, why not? And so you didn't think that was strange at all. You just said, well, let's do it. Yes, sir. That's right. That I love that. I love that. Just, yep, go and get it done. That's excellent. And you can hear, I think you can hear some of the other voices in, and like hearing them call down to like, okay, one more time or whatever, you know, to get something. Me, yeah, that was scary. Man. That was Dr. No. Yes. Now he, he did, uh, on the record label that, uh, my podcast is on equal vision. There's a band called Coed and Cambria and, and, uh, Dr. No came and played some guitar on that first record. And, and, uh, just as great, that was one of the first, first times I've heard him do something different than the bad brains. This was back in like 2001. Uh, but you can hear that tone and you can hear that groove and you almost know, I mean, even without looking at the liner notes, knew who it is. Yes, sir. But, uh, well with, with, uh, we have some other mutual friends. I, I got some, uh, some pretty cool stuff from them on, on, on stories with you and kind of things that you had experienced with them. But I, could you tell me about your, your relationship with Adam from the beastie boys? I know that was a pretty yes, solid, uh, you know, formidable relationship. Yes, sir. I used to go and see them at CBGB's and they became friends with Daryl. And then one day uh, they asked me, uh, the BC boys asked me, would I come to one of their gigs? So I went to their gig at CBGB's because they play there kind of often. And Daryl was there and I met the band. And they sounded pretty good, but they used to play punk rock in those days. Yeah, I remember. I remember that first release they had, and I did not know about that until years later, until I'd heard their their hip hop music. And uh, Mike D actually recorded a record for the band I was in last, uh, Portugal the Man. He did their their last record. So, uh, mm -hmm. and they just loved it. Loved working with him and yeah. them. And it's so yes, sad sir. that Adam's gone, but man. It, what an amazing, amazing uh, connection. Yes, sir. And that was one of the tour. You guys were supposed to go on tour with the Beastie Boys, right? Yes, sir. We okay. went on tour with them for a little while. Yes. And that was, uh, man. So do you, uh, I want to know kind of where did, where did everything kind of change for you and wanting to, to step away from rock and roll and move more towards reggae? Was it seeing Bob Marley? Yes, sir. Sure was. Do you remember? Do you remember the feelings you had? Like, like that's a big change when you have a band like the Bad Brains that are that are doing something so special to be able to change gears and 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 move away from that. That takes some courage, or at least a very strong uh, urge. Is that something that you felt like immediately seeing Bob Marley, or was it? it was that that was the moment? That was it immediately. Could you tell me about that show? Yes, sir. It was at the Capitol Center in around 80, 81. 
And I went to the show with Gary Daryl Nero. I used to work as a security guard at Kafer's Hospital, Greater Southeast, in Southeast uh, D.C. And it came to me, and this uh, band called Return to Forever, which I liked a lot, was playing at the Capitol Center. But Bob Molly was opening for them, and they offered me to come with them to the show. So I did, and I loved it. That's excellent. Now, do you... You had been a Christian your whole life, right? You up until that point where yes, before you sir, discovered was, Rastafari? Yes, sir, I was born a Catholic and then later I converted to a Baptist with my grandfather in Phoenix City, Alabama, my father. And I would go to church and I always remained a Christian. I was baptized there and then I went to Texas and lived in Texas for a little while and I was baptized again. And then I became a high priest with Ross Michaels in California. Man, what a journey, man! I, it's 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 wild. Do you mean do you? And I wanted to talk uh, on this on this show. We we talk a lot about um, mental health. Um, you know, uh, with a lot of people that I that I talk to, I suffer from from severe depression, and um, you know, I talk to a lot of people with uh, disassociative disorder and and things like that. With yours, do you remember when you started to notice that things were changing with you? Oh, it was about 10 years ago. 10 years ago? Do you remember mm -hmm. the first things you started noticing or was were other people noticing first? Uh, I noticed it was just severe headaches. Okay. And then, I mean, you, you went through a time too where, um, like when things were, when things were changing, um, where you were kind of living like a, like kind of a nomadic lifestyle. We were kind of going yes, from place sir, to place. Yes, sir, I was. And then about five years ago, I met a doctor in uh, Philadelphia, and he operated on my brain. And for about a year, I lived quite nice with my wife in Philadelphia. But then shortly after that, I started having headaches again. Yeah, man, that's I can't I can't imagine the pain of those headaches. I've seen, I've I've researched that that uh, disorder and. I mean, people don't sometimes don't get through that. It's it's yes, I can't sir. even imagine. And but you with yes, so much sir. positivity, you've always been a proponent of PMA, positive mental attitude, always been you know a positive person. Was there ever a time going through that 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 you felt PMA may not be enough, like that you that you couldn't maintain that? I kept my PMA. That's amazing. That's amazing. In the darkest times can still hold on to that PMA and it got you through. Yes, sir, it sure did. Uh, so you were, I want to talk about this because it, it kind of ties together, but um, you went through a, a time of homelessness in LA when you were living in LA, right? Yes, sir. Do you remember, uh, you, there's, there's a, there's a warehouse in the, in the documentary uh, that you're walking through. Is that a place mm -hmm. that you had lived? Yes, sir. It was in Baltimore shortly after leaving L.A. Okay. Because I lived in a place similar to that for several years while I was touring. And so when I watched you walking through there, I got all these memories coming back to me of when I lived in this old church that was a venue, a club in the basement. And I would have the same thing. I had to go through a freight elevator and all these doors and there's all this material. Do you feel that that living that nomadic lifestyle had an effect on, on your mental health and your, your, uh, I mean, your journey. I mean, being, being growing up, growing up through so many places, moving so many times to then also being an adult 
touring and then moving all the time. Do you feel that had an effect on on what ended up happening with your mental health? Yes, I surely do. Okay. And I want I wanted to talk about Guy Osiri because uh, Chino from the Deftones is a friend of mine. And uh, I had him on the show and he was telling me some HR stories. And he was talking about how Guy Osiri uh, saw you at a bus stop and picked you up and brought you back to his, his apartment where Chino was living with him at the time. Do you remember that? Yes, sir, I do. Can you tell me about that? Because he was saying you guys would stay up. You, you had a trumpet that you were playing and you and him would try to write music together. You and Chino at, at Guy Osiri's house. Yes, sir. Um, Guy Osiri was very nice to me. And shortly after that, he took me over to his place. I met Chino and we would jam with him. And he asked me a little later what I'd like to go to his uh, studio and play some music. So I went to the studio and then he offered me a record deal with Madonna at Maverick Records in L.A. Yes, man. So did you get to meet Madonna at that point? Oh, no, I never met her, but I met a, a girl named Rose and I met Freddie Lagers. Okay. Because I know Guy Osiri, he's, he, he ties into so many things on this podcast with different guests. But uh, Chino was also telling me about when they were in Malibu recording uh, the Saturday Night Wrist record that you had come You were living in an attic in the house and that you'd yes, be sir. down making cereal in the morning and how surreal it was for them being such huge fans of what you do to then that you're just hanging out at the studio, you know, living this nomadic lifestyle and just how amazing that was. Do you yes, remember that sir. time? I would hear them jam and I would go down and watch them play. He said you put on a guitar at one point. Yes, so I doing? played with them for a little while. It was fun and exciting and I enjoyed playing with them. Man, they're great people, man. They're really great people. And, and I mean, you, you influenced them so much. It was just, I mean, just them saying how surreal that experience was, you know, just... HR's jamming with us, you know, HR's living in the attic. Uh, you know, I, I, it, there's just so many cool things that, that this story has, has touched on, you know, um, I'm glad, I'm glad you remember those stories. Cause he made me laugh when he said like, he just randomly saw you at a bus stop, picked you up and brought you over the head of Maverick records. You know, it's crazy. But, uh, how did that how did that work with with signing to Maverick when you were you were I mean you were still struggling then with uh with your mental health like going through a major label record deal was that a difficult thing or did you kind of just let it come as it as it happened I just let it come as it happened I introduced uh Guy Siri to the band and I invited them to come out to LA and play so they said sure why not so they came out to L.A. and we played and Maverick Records adored us. And so did Madonna and Gaia Series. So they offered us a record deal. And me, Gary, Dr. No, Daryl and Earl did some recording. And the recording was at Ocean Eleven Studios. Rehearsal was at Ocean Eleven Studios. And then we went to Hollywood Boulevard Studios and recorded with Rick Ocasek, and Rick Ocasek was so phenomenal, and he just held on to the band, and we took the tapes over to Maverick, and they started playing the tapes, and they said they liked the music, and they were going to release it. That's incredible. That's incredible. 
I, your memory is so fantastic of all these stories. I love that. How much you remember of these times and, and the positive side of things. And, you know, uh, your journey is just absolutely incredible. And I know it's been documented pretty well with the, with the documentary and, and with the book, um, and through interviews, but, um, it's just awesome to hear that. When did you, when did you meet Lori then? Cause since you've been with Lori, you've had like a steady place to be a home and, and, you know, had your place. I met Lori in Baltimore and it was at a friend's uh, brother's studio and uh, Ben and Pablo Fiasco introduced us to his brother who had a studio. And this was around December in 2011. Okay. And did you know, did you, were you guys into each other right away? Yes, sir, we sure was. I invited her to a gig and her friends out at the uh, auto bar in Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. and they enjoyed themselves, and I invited them to the, uh, come to where I lived, and she saw where I lived, and she said she couldn't stand it. So she <laughs> offered me to go over to her apartment where she lived with Kat, and uh, it was a very nice place. Pablo had worked on it and worked on it, and they lived next to Charles and Laura. And uh, she had asked me if I would come and live with her. And I said, sure, why not? And so I moved in with Lori. <laughs> I love how many decisions in your life have been, sure, why not? And it's just <laughs> such a cool thing. You know, it's it's just having that uh that willingness to try things and, and, uh, just take it as it comes. Yes, sir. Jumping, jumping way back. That's something I I forgot to mention. When did you first discover PMA? Like, like that, that way you were going to make that your, your life's, uh, uh, deal. I discovered it with my dad who introduced me to a book called things grow rich. And this was in Maryland around 70, 75, 76, and I read the book and I thought about what Napoleon Hill was think was saying, and I just put it to contemplating with my brother and Daryl and Earl and Dr. No. And then I just put the principles to practice. And that's how it started around 75, 76. And in 77, we started rehearsing a lot and played our first show two years later in CBGB's. Man. See, I never got to see a show at CBGB's. I actually used the bathroom at CBGB's when we were playing down the street at the Continental. and But I never uh, got to see a show there. We were on tour over there, and we never played CBs. Now, uh, you were you were there so much. Like, you guys were like a mainstay at CBs. Yes, sir. Do you remember some, some pretty amazing shows, seeing some amazing shows there? Did you get to see the Ramones quite a bit and stuff? No, I never saw the Ramones, but I did see Steve Bader's and the stimulators and also um i got to see the ramones in maryland okay okay do you remember you i mean with such a crazy live show do you remember getting hurt on stage ever to where you actually had to stop or or get medical attention or were you just going 100 miles an hour and just let it ride Yes, sir. We just played 100 miles an hour and let it ride. <laughs> I love that. I love that, HR. Uh, well, let's. Let, I want to talk about uh, 
your faith too for a little bit because it's something that's been such a huge part of your life. How has your faith grown and changed since you were, you know, uh, since seeing Bob Marley and, and uh, you know, discovering Rastafari and everything else? Has there been a, a, quite a bit of growth or has there been a, a pretty solid tenet that you've held to? Yes, sir. It started changing when I read the Bible. I went to church and they introduced me to the Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. And I started reading the Holy Bible and my life changed. And I just got so engulfed in the Bible that I enjoyed reading it. And I enjoyed going to the church. And I read it about seven or eight times. And then I decided to put it into practice. Got it. And so now, I mean, you you hold a lot of the same things. I, I mean, now I would imagine... Are you reading every day, reading the Bible every day? And, and uh, I try to read as much as possible. Okay. What is your, what is your day look like now? That you're, that you're in Baltimore now, right? Yeah, no, sir. I live in a place called Snow Hill, Maryland, okay. which is about three hours outside of Philadelphia. And I just would get together with my wife. We would cook food and we would, uh, did different stuff, did different interviews and cameos and i did recordings out of my friend's studio okay cameo how did you get involved with cameo i saw some of those on the website uh, wishing people happy birthday and such through my manager oh, okay who's who's your manager right now my friends kate gamel okay in california okay I've always thought you'd go through Lori, so I wasn't sure if, if, if you had a manager. That's uh, Are you enjoying Cameo? Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. You give some some joy to people as well. I'm sure getting a voice message or a, a video message from you, you know, brightens some people's day for sure, especially on their birthday. Is it a lot of birthday stuff? Yes, sir, it is. Okay. Uh, now, I just uh, – I wanted to – one main thing I wanted to ask you is if you could if you could talk to HR back back you know in the bad brains days you know is there something you would tell you would tell yourself uh, that you've learned now that you would change or or would you would you just let it all happen as it happened? Yes, sir. I enjoyed talking with my manager and we talked for hours and hours and hours over at his house, and I would um, go to church and come back and ask him. What about this and about that? And he said, yeah, man, just keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. Just keep on trying and you'll be just fine. That's excellent. That's excellent, HR. I I, uh, I really appreciate you you uh, jumping on with me today and, and, and chatting for a bit. I really, this really means a lot to me, my friend. I, you've really influenced me in my life. You're, you're, uh, you're PMA. As I mean, just like the other night when we had to reschedule, I'm looking at the situation. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to think about this in a positive life. Like no one got hurt. We're all good. Like trying to find the positive side of it. And it really, really helped as it always has. And uh, it's just a real honor to, to chat with you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, HR, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. And, and uh, hopefully we can do this again someday. Okay. I oh. sure will. And you take care and thank you again for this opportunity. I'm much gratified and the last year I know, I'm much honored to meet you. 
Same here, HR. Thank you so much. And tell Lori, thank you. I'll send her an email saying the same, okay? Okay, thank All right. you. Keep up the PMA, my friend. All right, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with HR from Bad Brains. I know it was a little shorter than usual, uh, but like I explained in the beginning, we went down my list of things I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to keep HR super long. I wanted to be respectful of his time and just being so gracious. What a positive force. Keep the PMA, you know, that positive mental attitude. He has been through so much pain, mental illness, homelessness. He's been, I mean, you guys have heard my episodes with Chino and talking about, you know, picking up uh, HR with Guy Siri at a gas station, like letting him live in the attic while they're recording a record at a rental house. All these things that HR has in his life have been so crazy. It's been nuts. And to, to have that kind of output, he's still putting out music. He's putting out children's books. He's doing all kinds of things. Just a wonderful, wonderful human being. I wish there was more people like him out there. Um, you know, but I'm glad there's only one HR and there truly is. So thank you again to Scott Bowling, Lori Carnes, uh, yeah, Randy from Lamb of God, thank you for listening to this pre, pre-release to give me the okay. Thanks to Chino for the the feedback and, and helping me prep for this in a way that would set me up for success. Uh, Dan at EVR and Dave at, at Sound Talent, like, thank you everyone for getting this together and, and keeping me on point. Um, I've got a lot of people in my corner, which when I say that, I... I guess I don't need to say that, but I want to say that because I really do. And they provide me with so much help and insight and support, um, you know, just people on the team alone. And then all of you guys that listen to the show, write me every week, you know, give comments, questions like guest ideas. You're involved. You're a part of this thing. It's just this beautiful, beautiful thing that we've created over the last four and a half years, almost five years. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I love each and every one of you so much. I really do. I say it every week and I mean it every week. All the word of mouth, all the support, everything out there has just been beautiful. The PMA is strong at Peer Pleasure. And now that we have HR in the catalog, it's even hotter. It's just something that I just still can't believe. Um, and it was hilarious when I did the interview with Randy, he was wearing a lamb, or excuse me, lamb. He wasn't wearing a lamb of God shirt. He was wearing a bad brain shirt, and I was wearing a bad brains hat. And it was like we called each other like two middle school girls before going to school to match. Uh, having things like that, little, little, just little bullshit like that, that was, it's been so funny. These are things I'll remember forever. So thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. Go sign up for the premium, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Sign up for the face, Facebook group, Peer Pleasure Inner Circle. And as always, We'll see you on the radio.
Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The The Corner Corner of Gray Street. Street.